Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We got a little bit to dive into here, Dub. Uh, we're, we're doing a fun, wokest of them all bracket challenge. We have a 16-player, all sports media members, allowing people to crown the wokest member of the entire scenario here uh, in the American sports media. Uh, we expect, based on our opening, that one half of the bracket, I think you agreed with me, will end up Dan Woken versus Darren Ravel. Uh, but the other side of the bracket, we have not even run through. I'm going to run through it for you now. This is the Me Too region of the bracket, and it is Keith Olbermann against Jalen Rose. And I'm going to be honest with you, Dub. Keith Olbermann is just dunking on Jalen Rose almost as bad as Kobe did when he put up 81 on him. Oh, man. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say 
that Jalen Rose is getting beat as bad by Keith Olbermann in the woke bracket challenge as Kobe beat him up when he scored 81. But that's kind of what the equivalent is here right now. So Keith Olbermann, monster favorite, rolling on to the next round. In the other bracket challenge, and by the way, Olbermann was the one seed, Jalen Rose the four. Uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk going up against ESPN's Maria Taylor. How would you assess this matchup? Well, I think Florio's got to be a decent favorite here because he is just on Twitter, just unbearable. It's every single day. Yes. It's one thing or the other. Maria Taylor, not as not quite, in my opinion, to the level of Florio. I got to make Florio moving on here. Florio is right now winning, beating her two to one, basically. Uh, two out of every three votes going to Mike Florio. Looks like Florio is going to advance out of the Me Too region. Uh, you can go vote yourself there. In the Gaslight region, number one seed, Jamel Hill, going up against number four seed, Adrian Wojnarowski. And this is like number one seed, uh, maybe the greatest number one seed performance of all time. Jamel Hill, 96% of the votes against Woj. I mean, Jamel Hill is going to be a tough out in this tournament. Uh, In the Woke Bracket Challenge, Jamel Hill is just rising up on Woj and dunking on him. Scotty Pippen on Patrick Ewing back in the day style. You remember that dunk? One of the great dunks of all time. Might even be a little bit of Sean Payton, the dunk. Remember when he dunks? I think it was on Matumbo, and then he points at him. Uh, You know, if you've ever seen that one before, uh, maybe back in the day, the Randolph Childress crossover in the ACC tournament. Do you remember that highlight? where he crosses over the dude from UNC and then steps back behind the three and drains it. Did I screw up the John Kemp, the Sean Kemp? I yeah, said you had, you had Saints head coach Sean Payton. Doing Sean Payton. <laughs> now that would be something. That would be really something if Sean Payton. Uh, Sean Kemp uh, dunking on I was probably got it confused with Gary Payton. I was thinking about that Sonics team back in the day. Uh, yeah, that would be Sean Payton rising up and dunking on somebody and then pointing at him. I mean, that would be really, really unexpected. So, yeah, I'm talking about Sean Kemp. Do you remember that Randolph Childress play dub where he crosses him over and then, like, does the hand gesture, like, come back over here, and then he drains the three on him? I've seen highlights. That was a little before my time, I'm afraid. Oh, it's one of the great. I showed my 10-year-old that the other day. I was like, hey, you want to see one of the greatest ankle-breaking crossover moves ever? This is, like, 1991 in the NCAA tournament, uh, and he absolutely loved it. So that is what Jamel Hill is doing to Woj right now. So Jamel Hill, the number one seed, is advancing. Uh, and then in the other matchup of the Gaslight region, we got Max Kellerman, who is the three seed, going up against the two seed, Dan Levitard. Now, uh, Max Kellerman memorably said that it was time to change the Notre Dame fighting Irish mascot. Do you remember that take? That hot take from first take? Uh, it was offensive, the idea of the Fighting Irish, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, according to uh, Max Kellerman. He's like, hey, we got to get rid of the Fighting Irish moniker and replace it with something else. That's the level of woke that Max Kellerman brings to bear. And then we got Dan Lebitard. I think we talked about this a little bit on the radio show, but Dan Lebitard is actually creating a sports media company that is supposed to be the exact opposite of OutKick. So what he doesn't understand is that's what the sports media is in general. Like we are already the alternative. So now he's making the alternative to the alternative, which is just what sports media already sounds like. 
And so uh, Dan Lebitard is creating his own company, which is mirrored in some way off of what we've done at OutKick. And what do you think about that matchup? Who would you think Dub would be favored, Kellerman or Lebertard? That's a close one, but to be honest with you, it doesn't matter because Jamel Hill is going to the final. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at this bracket right now. I got to make your Jamel final four. Okay, Jamel. Oh, you would make Jamel like a prohibitive the overall favorite. To, favorite. I would yeah, put she's her the one minus, seed of one seed minus one eighty. Probably she's the Gonzaga of the woke sports bracket without question. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion. And I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who've ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Marion on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their firestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be so I teased as we finished off the first hour that Megan Rapino, who has been lionized for her refusal to go to the White House, decided to go to the White House now that Joe Biden is there. Of course, Megan Rapino plays soccer for the U.S. women's team, and she's also a professional soccer player. And I, I got to be honest with you. It's as if people in the world of sports have suddenly stopped realizing that there is a big difference in the number of people who care about women's sports and men's sports. Because I hear all these people saying like, oh, you know, U.S., uh, the, the NCAA tournament for women, they get a lot less attention than the men do. And I'm like, yeah, because a lot less people want to watch women's college basketball than men's. And by the way, do you know who most of the fans for women's college basketball are? Men. Men like sports more than women. Now, I know many of you out there listening right now are women and you like sports too. Great. I love that everybody likes sports. But it's as if people don't realize economic realities now. And I saw like this thing trending on social media yesterday where Megan Rapinoe's like, I'm paid less than men who do the same job as me. And the answer is, yes, you are paid less because people around the world like watching men play soccer more than they like watching women. I don't think that's sexist. That's because the men are better. Most places around the world... The better you are at something, the more you get paid to do it. And there are tons of men who are way better at soccer in the United States than there are women. The U.S. women's soccer team, the year they won the World Cup, got beaten head-to-head by 15-year-old boys in Dallas, Texas. They got run. 
the average women's NCAA tournament team would get destroyed by a good high school boys basketball team. Massacred. That doesn't mean that those women are not good at what they do, but it does mean they are not competitive with men. And whatever you do for a living, you usually get paid more if you are the best. And so I want to play this clip from Megan Rapino at the White House, and then I'll react to it a bit more. But this woke virus has so infected sports that whether you are the best or not doesn't matter. It's arguing that you should be the paid the same even though you aren't better. It's wild. I just, I don't understand it. And I say that as someone who is 100% supportive of women in athletics being able to compete against other women and win. But the fastest woman in the history of the world got beaten in 2018 by over 300 boys in the 400 meter. High school boys. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. And generally that translates into them being better athletes as well. And in a meritocracy where the best and most talented win, the best and most talented get paid. That's how sports works. Here's Megan Rapino saying that she's not getting paid as much as the men who do the same job as her. I'm a member of the LGBTQ community with pink hair. And where I come from, I could have only dreamed that I would be standing in the position I am today at the White House. I'm also a professional athlete. And I've helped, along with all of my teammates uh, virtually here today, one teammate literally here today, uh, win four World Cup championships and four Olympic gold medals for the United States. And despite those wins, I've been devalued, I've been disrespected, and dismissed because I am a woman. And I've been told that I don't deserve any more than less because I am a woman. You see, despite all the wins, I'm still paid less than men who do the same job that I do. For each trophy, of which there are many, and for each win, for each tie, and for each time that we play, it's less. And I know there are millions of people who are marginalized by gender in the world and experience the same thing in their jobs. And I know that there are people who experience even more where the layers of discrimination continue to stack against them. And I and my teammates are here for them. We on the U.S. Women's National Team today are here because of them. I mean, I just, I, I legitimately don't get these arguments. And I don't even know who is listening to them. If you are a teacher and you are doing the exact same job as another teacher, men and women who start teaching in the same year should make the same salary. That's what happens. If you are an employee of the federal government, and you are a man and a woman, and you start at the same time, you should make the same salary. But Christian Pulisic should make 
way more money than Megan Rapino. Christian Pulisic is probably the best men's soccer player who's an American in the world right now. Megan Rapino might be one of the 10 best women. Let's presume that she is, in fact, even though she's not the best team player on the women's team, let's pretend that she is right now. Those aren't similar skill sets, and they don't play in front of similar audiences. Pulisic is on Chelsea, and he plays in front of English Premier League fans all around the world. Megan Rapino only plays in front of substantial crowds when she plays on the U.S. women's soccer team. Christian Pulisic plays in front of much bigger audiences all year round. He's infinitely better at soccer than she is. And so he should make way more money than she should. Why should their salaries be remotely the same? The number of people who want to consume your content dictates, by and large, how much you get paid. Howard Stern makes way more money than me even though we both do national morning radio because way more people listen to Howard Stern than listen to me. It would be ludicrous for me to argue that my salary should be the same as Howard Stern's because we do the same number of hours of radio every morning. Our audiences are completely different. Similarly, there are a lot of people who do small sports talk radio in the mornings in small towns. I probably make more money than they do because my audience is much bigger. I hear arguments like what Megan Rapino is making and it just, I, I don't, my jaw almost drops. I don't even understand how you can make that argument and not be considered to be a complete and total liar in many respects. Capitalism dictates what you make. The more people who watch, the more people who listen, the more money you make. It's not rocket science. And Megan Rapino may have the same job, but she doesn't have the same audience. And so men who play sports should make more. I don't even know who the best WNBA player is right now. But that woman should make nowhere near what LeBron James makes because there are a scintilla as many people watching her as watching LeBron James. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We bring in now my Mexican dining partner, Jeff Schwartz. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz. we got a lot to dive into, but I want to start here. Schwartz, you've been talking about the Pac-12 for a long time. We had Petros on Tuesday. I said, this is your opportunity to shine. You, uh, your conference has not been this relevant nationally, and I mean this. I don't even think this is an exaggeration. Since Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Lindell White, and Pete Carroll were all playing together, coaching together at USC back in the dynasty days, uh, it, what's it feel like to suddenly be dominant in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament? <laughs> I've thought about this, and I think I think there's a, maybe a few other like Chip Kelly's Oregon Ducks, right? For a couple of years, Marcus Mariota was there, great. That's the only game that they've won yeah. in the playoffs so far in college football. Yeah. Uh, Mariota and the Ducks beat uh, yeah. FSU and Jameis Winston. That's it. And then uh, and yeah. then the the Pac-12 yeah. hasn't won an NCAA tournament title since I think Arizona did it all the way back in '97. That's correct. But we do have one more college football playoff win than Oklahoma does. I like to point that out. To oh, Oklahoma. that's a good point. And the entire, and um, the entire Big 12, which hasn't won a playoff game yet either. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, no, it's it's great. And, you know, in typical fashion, we have to play each other in the Sweet 16, our two best teams, USC and, and Oregon. And, of course, look, we'll have an Elite Eight team, so that'll be great. But um, it's interesting because I, I obviously cover the conference for a living. I have a daily radio show uh, covering the Pac-12, and I don't think – we were this good. Um, and we've not only won games, like we're blowing teams out. Oregon State beat Tennessee by what, 15 points? Like that was yeah, ridiculous. I don't want to talk um, about it. Yeah. And I, I just, and I know you don't want to talk about it. Like I didn't think that they could do such a thing. Like that's part of this. I just didn't see this happening. You know, UCLA kind of got the easier run, right? They played Michigan State. They, they have to beat a good BYU team. They played Abilene Christian, who was just, awful. So, um, you know, we've done a good job so far. I think UCLA is in for a tough game against Alabama. Uh, Oregon State can beat Loyola, and then obviously someone has to win between USC and Oregon. But I'll just tell you this, and you're right about the, the, the reputation thing. Like, this is so important for our conference. I know it seems kind of small, right? The Sweet 16, four teams in it, like, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But we, and rightfully so, we have not done well in athletics nationally the last couple of years um, besides Oregon football. So we, we need this. We need the attention to be, hey, the Pac-12 is doing something right. The Pac-12 is doing this. And guess what? We get a new commissioner in June as well. Like, maybe things are looking up. Next year is a big weekend, second weekend of the year. Oregon's at Ohio State. Michigan's at uh, uh, Washington, Michigan. Like, hopefully this carries over into football. Yeah, you know, I, I talked about this on the show early this week. There are a lot of different programs inside of every school athletic department. But I would say like 99% or 95% of how fans judge a conference comes down to two sports, football and men's basketball. Would you agree with that? I mean, maybe a little bit of notice for women's basketball occasionally if you're a dynasty like UConn is now or has been and like Tennessee was back in the day. Uh, and maybe small amount of College World Series. I do think college baseball is growing a little bit in popularity, but both of those are a fraction right. of the attention the other two sports get. I'm glad you mentioned that because something I've said on my radio show for a long time now is that, look, we're the, we're the conference of champions, right? We're the conference of champions because we have so many Olympic sport champions, right? Stanford and UCLA each year switch off on, like, owning the most overall championships, right? Like, like I think the Brewers just won a men's water polo championship. But Stanford just won a men's wrestling championship, an individual championship. And we are great in all those sports, right? Oregon has dominated track and field for so many years now. Um, but to your point is that we only look at a conference based off football and basketball, and I feel like our conference has not prioritized those being the sports we need to put the most time and effort to. I think the new commissioner, whoever they hire, understands it's going to have to understand that. And I think they will. I think they'll understand, look, we've got to put more resources into these sports. We have to hire, we need coaching staffs to have the budgets in football to hire bigger recruiting departments. Oregon has done that. That's why Oregon's been good the last couple of years. USC. USC put resources into recruiting last year and had the eighth class overall. No surprise, right? They put, they hired LSU's video coordinator. Uh, coordinator. They hired a coach away from Oregon who was, who was at the time one of their better recruiters. He crushed in California for USC this year. And they hired all these people to help. And the issue is the budgets, right? A school like UCLA doesn't have the budget that a school in the South might have to football. Now, is that because we don't generate as much money? Sure, I, I, I'm with you there. But I just think the resources are not put into those sports because we are the conference of champions. And I hope we don't lose that. I like seeing us win other sports. But you're right. Our perception is only going to be valued based off football and basketball. 
It's interesting. Uh, we're talking with uh, Jeff Schwartz right now. I encourage you to go follow him. Uh, okay, so have you enjoyed the NCAA tournament more this year, given the fact that we didn't have it last year? 100,000%. Like, I, I've watched way more than I normally do. Um, I've gambled on more than I maybe have in the past. Um, and I just feel grateful it's on, man. Like, I'm so happy. And I lo- Monday was great. Monday, Oregon played at noon. I had no work to do. Um, yep. I was in front of my TV at noon watching the games. Next week we get, I believe, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday next That's week. That's right. Uh, as far as games. And so, like, I loved it. I've watched more than I have in the past. I just am grateful it's back. I mean, we're seeing some fans trickle in here and there. It's fun to see families in the crowd. Um, have you watched more of it? I, I felt more connection this year. I, I have watched a ton. You know, I was partly traveling for some of it, so I missed a little bit there. And I got kids, uh, Little League World I mean, not Little League World Series, but Little League Baseball. So I've been <laughs> running around trying to yeah. handle that. Uh, but it, it has been, I think, a lot of fun. And I haven't minded as much. I like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday setup better than the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday setup. But I will say it was nice when you started the week to know that you still had something to look forward to, right? As opposed to yeah. uh, at the, uh, you know, a lot of times Mondays drag for a lot of people when suddenly you recognize. And I, I've been arguing this for a long time. I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm curious whether it might start to become more of an impact. As more and more people are working from home, and certainly the, that, that's a case that it hasn't been anywhere near the same uh, level over the last year. But I think a lot of these changes are going to become more substantial and long-lasting. I love the idea of sports that start earlier in the day, right? When I was a kid, I used to love that you knew that the Cubs, before they had yep, lights, they, they were always playing in Wrigley in the day. And so knowing that around 1 o'clock or noon or whatever it was, like you could watch the Cubs play during the day. And obviously, if you lived in Chicago, you could go out, have an amazing time at the ballpark and still get home and it not be midnight. Uh, I really kind of like that. And I'm curious whether we've had a lot of non-traditional start times because of COVID. I'm curious whether some of the leagues will experiment with that more. You know, it's funny you mention that because – the Pac-12 this year played a lot of basketball games during the day, like early in the day. And, and for me on the East Coast, it was great. I mean, I put the TV on at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we might have had our second Pac-12 game of the day because there were no fans, right? Like, they didn't yeah. care what time they played the games. And I loved it. I think it was great. Obviously, I mean, it wasn't great for exposure because no one thought we were any good, but it was nice to have them on earlier. And I do think there is going to be less stigma and maybe being able to move games around, put them on different nights. Uh, obviously, the NFL doesn't give, you know, soon they're going to have five games every single night. Um, and I, I, I hope that some of these scheduling changes stay. Um, but who knows when fans come back? I mean, they're going to start catering again to fans being in the stands and, you know, maybe the, the different start times, um, won't hold. But I'm curious to see if, if they do. I, I hope they do. And you're right about the day game. I mean, it was, it was Cubs on WGN and Braves on TBS. Those are the games that were always on, um, when we were kids and I loved it. Yeah. Well, I was home for my, you know, by myself for summer vacation. And I imagine there are a lot of people around my age. Uh, it felt cool, you know, when you're in the house by yourself, your parents may be away at work. You can, if you're a sports fan, flip on a Cubs game and be able to uh, to watch it. I just think segmenting those games out at different times would potentially be a cool thing they could experiment with going forward. All right, let's go into the NFL. We're fully into the free agency process now. I know there are still quite a few guys out there that have not been signed. 
what, if anything, has stood out to you the most? And I bet your answer is the Patriots spending money like crazy. But how would you assess the overall free agent market at this point now that we're basically a full weekend to it? Um, you know, I, I, I thought there would be maybe less money up front because of the cap situation, but obviously yeah. that hasn't deterred, you know, the Chiefs from signing Joe Thune, uh, you know, the Giants from signing Kenny Galladay. Um, obviously it wasn't, it didn't deter, the, you know, the, the Cowboys from signing Dak. So there's been some, and that doesn't really count quote unquote free agency, but he was possibly going to be a free agent. Um, you know, I think the, the wide receiver market went about as expected. I thought it would be oversaturated. You guys wouldn't be getting the deals that, that, that they thought they would. Um, and the, you know, defensive ends, really, there has not been much movement outside of the, the top couple of guys. There's a lot of quality players still around. And there's waves of free agency, right? The, the, the first wave is basically the opening of the tampering period, which I'm not even sure why they have that anymore because the, yeah, it, right. it opens up and one hour later, 17 deals are already done. Yeah. So you basically have that Monday from this year to about Saturday to, to Kenny Galladay's sign. That's the first wave of free agency. Then you get the second wave. The second wave is where you add in that depth, a veteran here and there. And, you know, so you can still add starters. There's been almost no movement in that. There's been players visiting back and forth, um, but a lot, not a lot of movement in this kind of veteran class of players in the second wave. And so um, I think a lot of players are looking at the money and saying, hey, there's not a lot of money. You know, one-year deals are, are, are the way to go. And there's no rush, right? Like if you are Melvin Ingram, for example, who just left Kansas City, you know, there's a bunch of teams that can use Melvin Ingram. He's probably getting the same deal from everyone. You know, one-year deal, let's just say $10 million. So there's no rush. There's no rush to sign right now. Why sign? There might not be an off-season program. You know, maybe someone gets hurt and, you know, there, there's a better deal to be had in August. So there's just not a lot of rush for the veterans that are getting one-year deals to sign somewhere. And that's why we're seeing kind of a stagnant market right now, especially uh, in some positions. What signings did you like the best in terms of, man, you were like, oh, this guy's going to fit perfectly in that team? Um, I, I like what Washington did. Um, you know, Curtis Samuel is going to fit well in that offense. Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, look, he's probably not winning a Super Bowl with him, but that's going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, with that, you know, the decent offensive line, what Scott, Tur- Tur- uh, Scott Turner can do at, at OC with Fitz and, and Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel – I thought that was uh, that was a good job by them. Um, trying to run my head, you know, the Chiefs signing Joe Thune was important. They needed that guy to kind of, you know, they needed to anchor on their offensive line. They're still missing uh, some pieces up front. Um, I know people bash the Patriots, and yeah, they spent a lot of money, and but they still have a bunch of holes they needed to fill, and still have room to, you know, to to do a little bit more. Um, do you buy that Cam those, is those the guy they're going to? Do you buy that Cam is the guy they're actually going to roll out with, or do you think they draft a quarterback? I, I think it depends on who's there when they draft. Um, I think that if there's no one, I don't see Bill Belichick reaching for a quarterback. I think they're at 15, reaching for a guy he doesn't like. Uh, but I, if they want to move up and get someone, I think that's possible. I don't see them just being like, well, we have to draft one because we're here at 15. I think they're fine with you know rolling back with Cam Noon um, if they need to. But they would probably love to find someone. But at 15, you're probably not doing it unless you trade up. And that would be really against what Belichick has done for so many years. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Obviously, the biggest story in the NFL by far, and I'm sure you already know where I'm going, is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. How do you yeah. think 
uh, Houston, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you were in the locker room, you played for eight years in the NFL, whether there was some sort of legal proceeding outside of the locker room that guys would talk about or would kind of, you know, almost like a storm cloud hang yeah. over the uh, the team. How do you think guys on the Texans are responding to these allegations? Privately, obviously not publicly. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, there's going to be a contingent of players who probably believe it's, you know, none of it's true. There's going to be, it's just like society, right? Uh, there's a yeah. bunch of players who will think it's true. A bunch of players that just probably won't care, which is odd, but they just won't kind of have an opinion either way. Um, you know, when people talk about distractions in a locker room, this is what they talk about. It's not, and, and the distraction, I should say, is, is more from you know, the players getting asked about this every day they're in the locker room, right? The players having to have an opinion, and they should have an opinion. They're adults on, on the allegations, but, you know, they are just allegations. I think we rush to judgment too much, and I've said this all along. Like, I don't have an opinion on this. If the legal system takes over, like, what am I going to – I don't know the evidence. I, I know it's been presented. Deshaun Watson will have his chance to present his, you know, his evidence, and it'll get settled out. Like, you don't have to rush to an opinion on – what you think happened or did not happen. And I just think that too many people are rushing to, to a side when there's just time to see what happens. As far as in the locker room, like you said, I, I don't really, I don't know, man. I've never, I've never dealt with this before. Uh, you know, we, a guy, Josh Brown in, in the giants, but that was after I, I, I was there when, when it was occurring, but we didn't know about it until after I left. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know how I would handle it if it happened in the locker room when I was there. It's a tough situation for everybody with the Texans, right? Because they're bringing in a brand-new head coach. They're bringing in a brand-new yeah. GM. There was already tension and discord that was out there because yeah. Deshaun Watson had demanded a trade, and certainly J.J. Yeah. Watt and, uh, and uh, Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins, guys who were kind of linchpin front of front facing franchise members for so long are now gone and all you had left was kind of Deshaun Watson and now you've brought in Terod Taylor and he got bumped for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland and then he got bumped for Justin Herbert in LA and now he might be going to the most difficult situation in his career because I think at minimum Deshaun Watson's going to end up suspended I don't know if he ever plays for the Texans again frankly I'm not sure he ever plays football again depending on how all this shakes out uh, but now you've got a brand new quarterback that nobody on the team has probably really ever met and you were already coming off of a 4-12 and season new coach new GM yeah. new quarterback and it's not like it's a young quarterback that you're trying to build around yeah, it's it's really tough, and this is why I don't think you know people say, "Well, the Texans planted all this." That's crazy. Why would they plant all this? Like this, this doesn't benefit them at all. It it it, it, it plummets his trade value, right? No one's going to trade for Deshaun Watson with allegations like this. And I mean, even if I'm sure they have a past president, like they're going to have to put him on the on, on the commissioner's exemplist when the offseason program starts. I mean, there's there's no way they're going to let him in the facility. Um, you know, the NFL will conduct their own investigation. And we talked about this before, Clay. Like, I think the NFL is terrible at that. Um, yeah. No you know, way. I said yesterday on the show, I was like, if I'm Rusty Harden or if Deshaun Watson called me up tomorrow and he said, hey, Clay, I want you to be my attorney, what advice would you give me on the NFL personal conduct investigation? I would say don't say a word to him. Say that you are focused yeah. on the civil lawsuits and maybe the criminal uh, repercussions that could follow that, and you will circle yeah. back around and talk to the NFL personal conduct people uh, when those other situations are resolved, and, yeah. uh, and that's the answer that I think everybody has to give. 
and, and you know, because you know, the, the NFL, their investigations, and, and this is what they've done, right? They've decided to be the league that is a law and order league. It's so stupid. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but like, I disagree. I think they go about it. In, in I don't wrong, have a problem the if way. they're the law and order. And I've said this for a long time. If they want to be the law and order league, they should wait until the court system makes right. its no. determinations, right. right? We agree on that. Yeah, yeah no, then we, decide we, what your punishment is if you feel like Correct. you need to do something else. The idea that the NFL needs to be conducting a investigation that is occurring contemporaneously with the actual uh, civil lawsuit and potentially criminal matters is wild to me um and it really gets even more ridiculous like imagine if uh if the nfl had decided you know when the when you had the uh situation with aaron hernandez imagine if the nfl is like out there conducting their own murder investigation (laughs) you're like what are you doing like you're you're a freaking football league why do you think you're going to figure out what happened with aaron hernandez's murder investigation wait and watch the court proceedings read them if you want to like everybody else and by the way that's one of those things that i always think is uh is is an amazing question like pretend that oj simpson had been at the peak of his running back ability when he gets accused of murdering those two people would the NFL suspend I mean, him for life, be, even though he was not guilty of murder, <laughs> or would they allow I, him to play? That's a great hypothetical. That's right? a great hypothetical. Um, I think they would let him play. I mean, just who would sign him? I guess Jerry Jones might, or Bill Belichick. Or yeah, like, the same thing would have been true. By the way, I, what if what if Aaron Hernandez beats his murder charges, and then you know he's back eligible and he's a pretty solid yeah. tight end? You know, he was at least being yeah. tried at the you know peak of theoretically his athletic abilities. We've yeah. never really had a situation where yeah. somebody that looks super guilty actually beats the charges, and then all the NFL teams are like, oh, oh, by the way, we can sign this guy. Like, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, there's so many discrepancies. I mean, not to go over it again, but, you know, the, the Zeke Elliott investigation. And, yeah. you know, Damus Winston basically pleaded down from six games to three games. Like, why have a policy put in place if you're going to let someone plead out of it? Like, they're not – it's just – it's so – Again, I think we'll put them on the commissioner's exemplist who do their own investigation. Um, he's really not tradable now. Like Again, so the Texans didn't plant this. And again, there's time for both sides to, to present it's evidence. Impo- like, no also, yeah. It's also impossible for them to have planted it because he made the choice. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts 
people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their bridgestone test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be I'm looking at the calendar. I think that uh, that he can square that this is true. Next week, Major League Baseball is officially back. I think that's true. We bring in now John Morosi. If I just screwed that up, that's on me. Farmers Outkick Studios. You can call one triple eight Farmers to switch, and you could save a bundle on your auto insurance. Am I right, John? Is Major League Baseball officially back next week? Indeed. Sources confirm, Clay. No April yes. Fools here. April 1, opening yes. day across Major League Baseball. Uh, can't wait, of course, the full 162-game season this year. So many great storylines. Just can't wait to get started. All right, so let's dive into some of these uh, great storylines with Major League Baseball coming back on April Fool's Day next week. So uh, the, the story that I think is getting a lot of attention, Fernando Tatis and his health-related issues. And before I even get into that, I read a story, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, that I was just absolutely fascinated by. And I don't know how much experience you've had interacting with people who do this, but they have started an investment fund effectively where for players who they feel like have good futures, 
but maybe in the minor leagues, and you know as well as anybody else out there how massive the major uh, the minor leagues are in Major League Baseball, there are a lot of really talented players that get injured, they never have the right break, they never do make it to Major League Baseball and make the big money, and so they identified Fernando Tatis Jr. several, several, I mean like a decade ago or whatever the heck it was, and thought, hey, this guy could be a great player. They effectively bought a percentage of his future earnings and now they are getting a massive payoff. I think it was like 8% of his future earnings. Have you heard a lot about this? Are players discussing it? How big of a story, how common of a story might this be in the years ahead? Well, Clay, it's interesting. There have been variations of this that have happened in baseball for years. And you're right. The root of it is the tremendous chasm between what players make uh, when you're off the 40-man roster and you're in the minor leagues versus even as a uh, sort of an average player in Major League Baseball. It is a tremendous difference. Life-changing wealth, really. If you're a consistent player even who makes 3 to $4 million as, a, as an above-average player but not a superstar, that's life-changing money. And so players at those years are, are quite, I think vulnerable is a fair word, uh, to, to consider what is out there. I know Scott Boris has been on the side of, of counseling against these type of arrangements, but funds have existed. And it's not something that's talked about all that often on the record by MLB or even by the union, because it's, it's almost a parallel economy to Major League Baseball and, and the Players Association, but it, it does exist. Uh, it's, it's hard to often tell just how commonplace it is, Clay, but this, is, this has been going on certainly for most of the time that I've been covering baseball. You hear a whisper about it, you, you understand, uh, you'll see uh, different investment individuals around ballparks who know the game and know who to recommend, and obviously there's a there's a hedging that goes on. You, you, you base it on your, their chance of success, the likelihood that they will feel like that, that upfront money is crucial to them right now. And so it really becomes a very interesting question about risk, money, and your assessment of, of how you take all those things into, into consideration. Yeah, there's no doubt at all. We're talking to John Morosi. So the, uh, the major, what about his injury situation? How much concern is there among the Padres who have spent money like crazy in the offseason to try and, uh, and make sure they can compete just up the road with the Dodgers, who obviously are the defending World Series champions? How much concern about that is there? Well, I think there is, Clay, some concern because they were, of course, hoping to have this grand unveiling as the season begins and Tatis signs the deal, uh, one of the largest contracts ever in the sport of baseball. But uh, it is his left shoulder, so it's not his throwing shoulder. That being said, he is someone who's a very proud player, likes to be on the field, and so for him to walk off the field in spring training gives you some concern. And, And also, he just didn't look physically himself as he was fielding that ball and, and moving around, he seemed tentative. And and one thing, while I, I make the point that, that that is, of course, his non-throwing shoulder, as you think about it and playing baseball with your son, that your your left shoulder is, is the, the shoulder, the part of the body that if you're a right-handed batter, as Fernando is, is what decelerates the bat. And so there's a lot of torque that's placed on that left shoulder on the follow-through of your swing. And, and you look at Chris Bryant, his numbers last year, that's a former MVP 
and Chris Bryant had issues last year with his left shoulder. It was his, his uh, decelerating shoulder in his swing that was bothering him, and it was still enough to make his numbers look nothing like what they'd been in the past. So certainly, long term, I still think the Padres have a great chance to, to have a, a tremendous return on this contract, but near term, this, this is certainly something that even if it's not his throwing shoulder, could affect him for weeks to potentially months if things don't go well. Okay, so let's go into uh, the expectations for this year. Last year, the Dodgers were the favorite. They erased all of the bad uh, sort of juju going all the way back to 1988 when they haven't been able to actually win a uh, title. Are they and should they be a prohibitive favorite in your mind to repeat, or who would you say the top challengers are as we get ready for the next week's start of the season? They are the favorites, Clay. Prohibitive is a word I struggle with because we have not seen a repeat champion in this sport in 20 years. And, and we've yeah. had a lot of great teams in the interim that, that looked like dynasties, that looked like they were unbeatable. The 11 Phillies come to mind. They didn't even win a playoff series. So uh, it really is difficult for me to say that they are far and away the favorites. I do think they are the most likely team as we look today uh, to that team they had last year. They've added David Price. Uh, they've made some moves, of course, in the rotation. They added uh, Trevor Bauer so that they've gotten stronger. They even retooled the bullpen a bit, brought in Corey Canable. They've got a great team. They probably have still 1 through 26, the best roster. But Clay, to me, and one thing that I just cannot wait to talk about with you during the course of the season is the way that teams are going to have to calculate the usage of their pitchers based on the fact that almost no one through more than 100 innings last season. I think the only one you would say was Kohei Arihara, who came over from Japan to the Texas Rangers because NPB played basically a full season. He's the only one. Everybody else is, is trying to jump off a platform that's much lower than what normally is the case for Major League Baseball. So as a result, I think we're going to see a lot of teams that maybe get off to a slow start, but they pick up speed as the season goes along. Similarly, you may have some teams that start well, but all of a sudden it's June and july they have a couple injuries in the rotation and the bottom falls out of their depth and they don't have the depth to carry them through so i think we have to be very careful not to draw too many conclusions early on yes the dodgers have the best team the padres i think even with the tatis injury their pitching is very deep as well uh, i really think those two teams clay uh, the dodgers and padres the two best teams in all of baseball are both in the nl west Okay, so let's go into big picture here in terms of what the experience will be like. You mentioned 162-game season last year, obviously a 60-game season, and virtually no fans were able to watch until the postseason actually uh, happened and you could watch in Texas. I believe on April 5th, the Texas Rangers are going to have a full stadium for anybody who wants to go. That is on the high end. I think that'll probably be, unless something crazy is going to happen in the next couple of weeks, uh, the first full stadium that we've seen for any sporting event since all the or arena since all the way back in March. What are you hearing about fans being allowed in most other stadiums? There's obviously 30 different teams with 30 different states and city policies. What will the norm be for most teams? 
Clay, it's a great question because it's going to depend on those jurisdictions, those states, and it's going to change. Even here in, in Michigan, my home state, uh, the Tigers' expected opening day attendance has initially was a 1,000, then it went up uh, several thousand. I believe it's now around 8,000 or so. Uh, and, and it seems like 20%, I know that's going to be the case in Ohio as well, seems to be uh, on, on the lower to almost normal range for if, if it's a cautious area, if there are cases that are increasing, uh, it seems like that number is about what uh, is going to be that baseline, that, that most, if not all, places will have at least around 20% capacity. Which, interestingly, Clay, when you think about it, opening day, I, I know here in, in, the, in the Midwest with the weather, opening day is always a sellout, of course. But then game two or game three, especially if it's a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon, that might be 10, 12,000 fans anyway, which is about what 20% of some attendance will be at a number of ballparks. So I think from that standpoint, Clay, things will start to look like your game two and three and four attendance might look somewhat close to what it normally is. And then by the middle of the season, I, I do believe uh, the vast majority of teams will be at least to the 50, 60% range and maybe above that. And I think, Clay, one of the really interesting things is going to be as we move through the year, from an economic standpoint, once you get to a spot where you're able to sell, basically, where, where the demand meets the supply, if you will, where there's not any uh, lack of availability for fans that want to get in there, if you are in a market where even when there are no restrictions, your crowds are still around 10, 11, 12,000, what does that mean for your bottom line? What does that mean for your future? And what does that also mean for the way the CBA negotiations will go in this very important year, of course, with the CBA set to expire on the 1st of December? We're talking to John Morosi, uh, breaking down everything in the world of Major League Baseball. <clears throat> you just mentioned, I, I think we talked about off-air, July 13th Major League Baseball All-Star Game. For many people, that will be, I think, and July 4th might be as well, uh, an opportunity to maybe really feel like the season is is, is back to normal in many ways, right? Um, and by the way, you're talking about 20% attendance. There are a lot of people out there in the Marlins organization that are like, man, dare to dream, uh, right? Because a lot of these early season April and May baseball games in the first place, John, are not necessarily that packed because it can be very cold, for instance, up near where you live in Detroit uh, for the Tiger Stadium, for Wrigley Field, for where the Cubs play. A lot of the Midwest locations where they play outdoors aren't necessarily hospitable ba uh, baseball environments, even outdoors, certainly in April and May. By the time we get to midseason, around July 13th, when Major League Baseball's All-Star Game is, do you anticipate that the, uh, the, the way that it will feel in the ballpark will start to be more and more normal? Because early on, a month ago on this show or so, I said I thought that would be a big moment for Major League Baseball because everybody's watching, and I thought that by then they'd probably like to have a full stadium for an event like that. I agree, Clay, and I, I really think that's going to be an important moment uh, for our sport. Uh, certainly, first of all, we're going to remember the incredible life and legacy of Henry Aaron, of course, in, in his hometown of Atlanta, uh, and a, a lot of celebrations around what makes baseball special in this country. I think that we're going to have that revival where, to your point, uh, you would expect to have, hopefully by then, a, a full attendance at the All-Star Game, the Midsummer Classic, what it means uh, just to baseball in this country, and at a time when, to your point, 
by then the NBA playoffs should be over, the Stanley Cup should be winding down depending on how the timing of their playoffs goes. It's before the Olympics. That is the window for baseball to really declare what its brand is, what its marketing position is. The, the, the draft for the very first time, of course, uh, a couple players from Vanderbilt this year, uh, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, may well be one and two at the draft. The draft is now at the All-Star Game. That's a new feature for baseball this year. And, and I do think that seeing the broadcast on Fox, seeing a, a, a full stadium uh, as, as we gather together and, and celebrate our national pastime, that's going to be a very special day. I'm getting goosebumps just describing it. And I, I think it'll really declare definitively that, that we're, we're hopefully moving to a new chapter where we can gather in, in larger numbers again without the restrictions. And I, I do think that that's going to sync up nicely, we, we hope, with, with how uh, life in America starts to evolve as the year goes along. And, and I'm optimistic it's going to be a special day. And, and also it's a really unique time, Clay, to, to celebrate the young stars of our game. This has been such a, a difficult year in so many ways across the country that I think now to re-engage with the, the Fernando Tatis Jr., with Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, with Freddie Freeman but of course, as an MVP-type player. And, and all these players, players that I think around the country maybe we haven't seen enough of as we've all been maybe a bit distracted the last year, it's a nice chance to come together. together. I think it's going to be a very special day for baseball and for our country as well. All right, you mentioned, we're talking to John Morosi, Major League Baseball insider. You can watch him on FS1. You can watch him on Fox. He comes on with us weekly during Major League Baseball season. John, you mentioned something that I think, uh, unfortunately, is going to be a little bit of a storm cloud looming over the entire season And that is, we saw how much of a battle it was to get a 60-game season played last year with all the COVID-related issues. The Major League Baseball owners and player relationship is incredibly contentious. You had mentioned that the the CBA expires in December of this year. How bad do you think that might be? And for next year, are we talking about potentially major issues with having a season on time? I'm still optimistic, Clay, and I know last summer we were talking about a lot of issues back and forth, and and I was pretty optimistic that we were going to have a season, and of course we did. It wasn't easy, and it, and it did not happen without incident from a standpoint of uh, all the negotiations leading up to it. I think similarly here that uh, are, have relations been contentious? Yes, they have. But uh, I think at this point in time, we're hearing something that's very important from both sides, which is... Not much. There has not been a lot of rancor back and forth. And I think uh, I'm of the buying clay that would I love to know everything that's going on back and forth? Of course I would. But this is probably a case where maybe two or three people on either side really have a strong idea of what's going on, and and everybody else is, is sort of on the periphery. I mean, this is going to be ultimately be a deal that's made by Rob Manford and his close lieutenants and Tony Clark on the player's side. And I had an agent tell me recently, and I think this is true to some extent, that the, the lost revenues of last year, where we played 60 games instead of 162, where there weren't fans at all up until the last couple rounds, the, the lost revenues of 2020 and, and the, the – having to really reimagine the business and think about where we're headed as a sport, that almost incentivizes both sides 
to to make a deal here because it's almost as though we had a half season work stoppage last year. It wasn't the fault of labor relations; it was an existential problem. But the work stopped nonetheless, and revenues were lost nonetheless. The the minor league infrastructure of the sport was probably changed forever as a result of it. These things have to be addressed by the sport continuing, and I, I think there is uh, on some level, Clay, uh, as as difficult as things have gone from a labor relations standpoint, both sides have to realize, and I think they will realize, how much they need each other. And while we're destined to get a lot of tough headlines between now and then, I still believe opening day 2022 arrives on time. Outstanding stuff. Look forward to talking to you all season long. Can't wait for baseball to be back uh, next week, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great, Clay. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to try to pick the Braves to make your son happy. We'll see how I can do there, but I, I may have to go Dodgers again, okay? I'm just excited not to have to watch the Braves from a hotel room window. Uh, so uh, that, that's, that's a win as far as I'm sounds, concerned. Sounds great, Clay. I, I appreciate it very much. <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts